So this morning we have Suzanne Pillins, and most of you would probably know Suzanne. For those who don't, she is uh, from the UK, but she's done mission works throughout Africa and Asia, crusades in India. And she would, I, I think this would be fair to say, but she is someone who has seen the Lord do some incredible things, particularly in the area of miraculous healing and provision and all sorts of other areas. And I think she's probably the person I know who's, who's seen more of that in the flesh than anybody else I can think of as in it, someone I personally know. The Lord really has done some incredible things. We've had her with us all weekend. She spoke on the radio when she arrived on Friday afternoon. And I think even just listening to her testimony, there's someone in the church who said that they were healed from a, a long-term condition that they'd had, didn't have money to seek medical treatment, but the Lord just miraculously touched them and, and, and healed them as Suzanne spoke over the radio. She then spoke at our youth to our youth on Friday night. I think gave them a choice of sermons. Is this correct? This is what I heard. I said, what would you like to hear? And they said, we want to hear you talk about revival. I was a little bit encouraged. We had a passionate group of, uh, of young people that wanted to hear Suzanne preach all about revival, and then she did a women's breakfast for us yesterday. But she's here this morning, so I thought we might do it a little bit differently. Normally we do a nice little polite clap as speakers come up, but certainly being in missions and in ministry in general, it's very easy to not feel the appreciation of people. So would you mind standing up this morning as we welcome Suzanne? I know she won't like this at all. But give her an enthusiastic, loving Vision family welcome as she comes. <laughs> Lord, we just lift this morning up to you. We invite your Holy Spirit just to take control over this meeting and over every word you want me to speak. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. First of all, I want to thank you for choosing to support our mission. Your church is supporting East Africa, and in East Africa, a lot of new Bible schools have been planted, especially this year, because of your support. So a very grateful thank you. For those of you that don't know about our ministry, it all started with the healing of my horse, Jackie Boy, who was run over by a car breaking his shoulder in two places when I was 23 years old. And the main nerve was severed right through, causing the main muscle of the shoulder to shrivel up. And after trying everything humanly possible, of which all failed, I found only one thing I had not done, and that was a thing called prayer, and I was not a believer. But I reasoned that if God created the heavens and the earth, he was the only one that could heal Jackie. So I said a prayer something like this, Dear God, that if you can hear me, forgive me for my unbelief. And if you're prepared to heal Jackie Boy, then I will know for sure you are God and I will serve you for the rest of my life. Well, God did an instant healing to Jackie Boy. This made me very keen and very excited to serve God for the rest of my life. It took several years to come into because... He started very small through a Christian holiday farm in South Africa. And then the Lord said to me, if you abide in me, I will abide in you and go with you wherever I shall send you. And I knew that I would be going places for God. And I spent two years, just studying the word abide. And then the Lord said, you're like a watering can. You come, you get filled up, you go out, you get empty, and when you're empty, you come back for more. 
said, I want you to enter in and dwell in my presence, that you'll be ready for me any time, day or night. Become a hose pipe. That was a new one. Took me another couple of years to learn how to dwell in his presence. I managed it for two hours when I came out. And then I practiced. I managed for two weeks. And then for a couple of months, and then I hated coming out of his presence. And then I realized it's dwelling in him, you hear him. And when you hear him, you obey him. And then I was invited to Kenya to do the Fireover Kenya conference, just to do the children's work, because after all, I was a writing teacher. But at the last four days, I had an email saying the main speaker couldn't go to Kenya anymore. Would I step into his shoes as main speaker or cancel the crusade? Well, I paid for the tickets, so I was going. Well, we arrive in Kenya, we leave the tar roads, we leave the gravel roads, we go down a river bed, me hanging on the ceiling, uh, past two HIV AIDS funerals on the way to the little mud hut village. And I'm told people are walking four days to receive their healing, and I can't heal anybody. That makes you pray. I call out to God, please, Lord, do something. Lord, they're walking four days to get their healing, and I can't heal anybody. Please, Lord, do something. Please, Lord, only you can heal them. After about half an hour of this, the Lord said, if I can cry through your eyes like this, I can also heal through your hands like this. That night, there's about 300 people in a tent. I give my first gospel message in the dark. There's only one light in the bulb, and that's where the audience are. I prayed them through the salvation prayer, and then came the scary part. There's only one sick, and 30 people rush forward. And to my horror, the first three are totally blind, and the second person is the wife of the local witch doctor. Lord! Then I remembered it was Reinhard Bonker's first miracle in the power of the Holy Spirit, also where the man of God didn't turn up. So I thought, can I use the same words, Lord, as Reinhard Bonker used? So I look at the first one. In the name of Jesus, blind eyes open. She said, I can see. I said, what? I can see. Can you really see? Yes, I can really see. Wow. Now for the witch doctor's wife. In the name of Jesus, blind eyes open. Healed. I didn't have to use a German accent anymore. <laughs> Third one. In the name of Jesus, blind eyes open. Healed. The next person had fallen down a cliff, banged his head on a rock causing an arm to become paralyzed. I pray over the head, and suddenly the arm comes alive. All 30 people were healed that night, I tell you. We praised and thanked God till 3 in the morning. I think we all floated home, and we saw 224 people healed in the next four days. Came back to England. I thought, what happens now? Does the anointing stay in Kenya, or does it come with you? And suddenly invited to speak at a church in England that worked there. And suddenly the ministry opened up. I'm invited to Uganda to do work in the refugee camp. It was still in the Idi Amin time. The rebels are burning down villages. There's this cripple with crutches. I know I must pray for him first to give the gospel message. And then I just touch him with my hand. God heals him. He throws his crutches in the air, climbs up on the wobbly oar drums, begins to dance with the singers. I call him forward to testify. Six months ago, the rebels had come in the village burnt his church down, burnt all his Bibles, and then killed his wife and three daughters in front of him, and then axed him in the hip, leaving him for dead. But he's only unconscious, and the Soroti people had rescued him, and given him a pair of crutches to get around on. But at night, Jesus had healed him. 
represent him with a Bible. This man bursts into tears. He says, I'm healed. I have a Bible. Now I can be a preacher again. And he goes off to preach. The forgiveness and the love of that man did volumes. The faith level rose. I prayed for a blind person on the right. The Lord healed him. Then five people in the back trying to get forward and they couldn't because the crowd was so thick. I said, don't worry, Lord can heal you there. In the name of Jesus, blind eyes open. They were healed. Suddenly, people were, children were being lifted over the heads. I was handed a nine-year-old boy paralyzed from the waist down. He's too heavy for me. I had to put him down on the floor. As his feet touched the floor, the Lord healed him. And then he healed five children, born deaf and dumb. That night, I put my hand over my head. I said, Lord, what have I seen you do today? And the Lord said, I want you to go into every village and bring the gospel message. I said, Lord, that would take five lifetimes. He says, I will show you how. Within a week, he showed me 50 people wanting to go into the villages but there are two problems. One, they had no proper Bible knowledge. And two, it was too far to walk if only they had a bicycle. So I went home, ran some horse shows, and we bought 22 bicycles, sent them two to a pastor. Two, uh, the two pastors had to share one bicycle. Within six months, they'd built 50 little bush churches. And I was invited to the Philippines. Bishop Blanca sits me down. He says, 30 years ago, the Lord told me to put together a Bible school this morning. He tells me to give you a Bible school. I thought, me? Run a Bible school? I don't think so. Lord, what do you say about this one? And the Lord says, all is ready and prepared for it. So I received the Bible school. I was then invited to Kenya. We opened the first in Accra. Within six months, there is a Bible school of evangelism in all 10 regions of Ghana. All the people moving across the denominations, to reach every village within their area for Jesus. They're still working on it. Then the whole ministry snowballed. The next thing, it spread out into 18 countries. It grew to 3,000 graduates a year by 2008. And then by 2012, it had grown to near 20,000 graduates a year. We've now totally lost count. It's all now on the internet where people can download the Bible schools. This is what God has done. Now, to run the ministry, because I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I don't know where I'm going. I only see where I'm going when I look back and see what God has done is... Prayer, which is the greatest reality on earth, and obedience. You see, serving God is not a project, but an overflow. Waiting on God produces the overflow. God has told me to do some very strange things. 2008, my mother passed away. She left a bit of money for us. The Lord says, put that money over into New Zealand. Huh? That's the other side of the world from England. I know to obey, so I send the money over. And he says, now send every penny you make from the riding school to New Zealand. I do so. Okay. Well, we then had about 30,000 pounds with uh, my mother's will and the money we had made from the riding school. Go over there to preach. The doors had opened. And I meet Derek Prince Ministries, who are partner with us. They give all our Bible school students worldwide a copy of Life-Changing Spiritual Power by Derek Prince, which is half of the Bible school. And then the Lord renewed the Bible school by giving me the new books to write. 
The books are our Bible school, which I wrote for the students, but God does more than that. It's selling world wo worldwide. Uh, people like the simple way I write because they like it nice and clear. And I wrote it clear for the Africans. So again, he did more than I could think or imagine. I mean, I didn't consider myself ever to write one book. That was six books ago. I didn't consider myself to plant any Bible school. That was thousands of Bible schools ago. God does more, far more than we can think or imagine. I mean, I'm just an ordinary writing teacher. But God can use anybody because it's not what we know that's important but how available we are. I'm a horse trainer. You cannot train a horse until they yield their bodies and mind and muscles to you. The more yielded a horse is, the more you can train him into a champion. And it's the same with God. The more yielded we are and obedient we are to God, the more he can turn us into one of his champions and use us, you and me, to reach out to a very lost and needy world. So I'm over in New Zealand and Warren Smith said, Go to Oxford and you'll find some land. Took this as a prophecy. So I go into an estate agency in Rangiora where I was staying, and a man suddenly comes in, $50,000 of this land for a quick sale. I said, oh, I'm interested in that. And I bought that plot, 10 acres near, out in Oxford, near uh, the great river Waimakariri. Then the following year, the Lord said, build a cottage on it. So we built a little granny flat on it. And then I thought, well, God must be calling us there. So we arranged for a visa to move our ministry over to New Zealand. We started a little riding school there. I've rented out our places in England. I go down to pray at the bottom of the garden, and the Lord says, what are you doing here? I said, didn't you call us here? He said, no. I said, but you did tell us to buy the land. Yes. You did tell us to build the cottage. Yes. Uh, well, then, does that mean I need to go back on the six-month return ticket I bought? Yes. I put the riding school up for sale the next day and sold all the horses in one day. The next day was a big earthquake. I obeyed God and went home. I rented the cottage from the moment I walked out at the house. And a Chinese couple said, I've just been sent by the agency to rent your house. Do you have the keys? And I handed over the keys. And it was rented every day since that time. Then two years ago, when I last came here, I went from here to New Zealand, as I will be doing on Wednesday, and the Lord said, put the property on the market. Okay, I'm still slightly confused with what God's doing. And it sold. And suddenly I found myself with 181,000 pounds in our English bank balance. We made over 100% profit. I said, Lord, what do I do with the money? The Lord said, you've made no provision for your retirement. You've poured all the money into the ministry. Put on your little blue iPad that Vision Church gave you two years ago, cheap houses for sale. So I type that in, and this little derelict cottage in North Wales comes up. We go and see it. We love it. It's absolutely in horrible condition. The walls are black. There's no kitchen except for a kitchen sink on the floor. There's grime that thick on the walls that you've got on the floors to sand down to the original tiles. There's holes in the wooden floors, but in the most beautiful setting with outstanding views of the mountains and on half an acre of ground. 
So we bought it. But we had a lot of money. It was only half the amount I got from New Zealand because of the horrible condition it was. And the Lord said, I want you to buy the shop on the main street that was last open in 1985 as a jewelry shop. And it's got a generous three-bedroomed flat above it. So we used the other money, the balance of that money. It was £60,000 for the shop and the cottage, the flat on top. You can imagine the condition of it for £60,000. We renovate the cottage first, then we renovate the shop. And I thought to myself, Lord, I must have heard you wrong here. And the Lord says, see what I shall do. I carry on, I complete the work. There's a knock at the door. As I walk to the door, the Lord says, see what I have done. I open the door, and there is Charlie and Jackie Brunger, who we prayed for seven years previously with David Hathaway. There he was in a wheelchair, and the Lord raised him from the wheelchair. And he says, I don't know why I'm here, but God sent me. He's quite a character. And I said, well, maybe he has a ministry for you here, because God told me to buy this shop with a flat on top, and I've never run a shop in my life. The Lord spoke to him, and he rented it from us. He's still renting it now. The most fantastic ministry. God had given him a few years ago a gift of putting Bible verses onto beautiful nature photographs. So the first thing he went around taking beautiful photos of the mountains and he put the Bible verses to it and every week he changed all the messages in the shop, which he still does, and everyone in the village came to read the, the Bible verses every week. And then they go inside to get given a small one about the size of this Bible and they could take that home and look at it. Well, over last summer, they led 18 people to Christ and they're working on 55 unbelievers at the moment, gradually bringing them to Christ. It's known as the God Shop. And I put a coid upon holiday lets. And this month we are being awarded the um, Merit of Excellence by TripAdvisors for 2017. We've been getting five star reviews. The Lord has provided our pension every month from those rentals probably for the rest of our lives we have no worries you see how god provides all we had to do is obey him even though it was way out ways of obeying him and we did not know what we are doing well that's how we've been running our ministry ever since it wasn't my idea to run bible schools well what is he doing at the moment Big, big Christian campsites have now sprung up in England with real fun stuff, high ropes courses, yachting on lakes, and they're drawing all the youth from the small campsites like ours to those real fun ones. And so the clientele has gone down. Now, the ranch... We built the ranch up by prayer, £8.50 in prayer since 2001. And we run the riding school for our living, which we still do. And all the profits from the ranch has been supporting the ministry for the last 10 years on about £1,000 profit a month, which was good, especially while we still had the orphanages, which is now being passed on to new ministries. And so we lost the clientele, so the profit margin went down to barely a hundred pounds a year. The trustee said, I think you better sell the ranch. So we put it up for sale six months ago. But I didn't feel happy about it. 
And I kept praying, Lord, please close the door, please close the door. And then in December, I said, Lord, I don't think you have done so many miracles building up this 50-bed Christian holiday farm for it to be sold. What do you want to do with it? Last September, he says, I want to use you to open up, help open up springs of living water to flow through my people. So I started to use the ranch from last October for inner healing retreats over a weekend, and they've been highly successful, and we booked already till the end of May. And then coming here again now, I met with people from the Vision International Bible College, and they would like us to run a Bible school under them from the ranch. What a wonderful change of use from a holiday farm to a Christian Bible college and healing retreat. We're still waiting on the Lord just for the final confirmation, but you'll see it in the next newsletters. Now, prayer is very, very important because that is reality. The Lord's Prayer says, Our Father, not our Lord or our God, but my Father, your Father, who lives not on earth, but in heaven. So prayer takes us from the physical realm into the reality of the spiritual realm in God's presence. Hallowed be thy name. We can speak to God. And he can speak to us. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How? Through our lives. Because only believers can come up into God's presence in the heavenly realm to receive the blessings of heaven, the love of heaven, the joy of heaven, the peace of heaven, the healing power of heaven, the miracles of heaven, and bring it down to earth and give it out to others. And if we don't go up to heaven daily to receive the blessings, nobody else can, nobody else will. The Lord showed me the lakes in New Zealand. He said, look at these great lakes. I said, Lord, they are great. Emerald blue. He says, do you think the lakes of my blessings are any smaller than these lakes? And yet, they are almost untapped by my people. Ooh. Don't we have enough people pulling up all the curses of hell and throwing them around the earth? When we can be coming up into God's presence to receive the blessings from heaven and give that out into our world? So when I came back from New Zealand in 2011, the people at home decided to surprise me by taking down our prayer altar and all the baskets of all the prayer letters of all our partners and recarpeting it. I wasn't too happy about that. I said, Lord, they've thrown the basket with all the prayers of the sick people away. The Lord said, don't worry. I have every name on my heart. They only threw the papers away. And what about the altar, Lord? I said, don't worry about that either. Build me a prayer tabernacle after the pattern I gave Moses in the wilderness. And so he did. He showed us exactly what to do, and the whole family was brought in. A bad, a poor replica of the real thing, instead of the beautiful, thick, curtains with the angels with outstretched arms 
It's painted curtains with acrylic paint. My daughter helped me paint all these curtains. Instead of pure solid gold walls, they're gold walls with gold spray paint. Instead of the beautiful gold and brass furniture, it's three-ply wood sprayed with gold paint. But God does not seem to mind because it looks like the real thing. God has taught me more about prayer through his pattern of prayer that he gave those Israelites on their way from Egypt to the promised land. He's taught me so much. You see, we have to pray with our whole being, not just our mouths. We have to pray, pray with our physical body. We have to pray with our will. We have to pray with our mind. We have to pray with our emotions. And we have to pray in the spirit. And he showed me how from this pattern. I have to go through fairly quickly because of time. But the outer court represents sin and the flesh. So we have the Ten Commandments up there. We have the laver and the, the bucket of warm water where everyone has to wash each other's feet. That is already challenging to some. And the first area, the flesh, represents sin, of forgiveness of sin, repentance, and thanksgiving. Now, there's three levels of righteousness the Lord showed me. The first level of righteousness is stop doing wrong and do what is right. That's the first level. We all know that level. The second level is go the second mile in righteousness. And the third level is live a righteous life out of God's love. And that is the ideal level of righteousness. Where the gift of righteousness is totally, freely operating. You become righteous. But it does take a bit of effort. It takes determination to say no to sin and yes to God. No to the devil and yes to God. It takes a determination to do what is right, no matter how hard it is or what it can cost you. That's when the gift of righteousness becomes yours. True repentance, radical turnaround. You're then ready to go into the next court. The first curtains represent Jesus rising from the dead. There are three bits of furniture in the second room that deals with the soul. Table of showbread to the right, the candlestick on the left, and the table of incense just before the Holy of Holies. God will start with our will. Bread is before the face of God day and night. God wants to inspect our will. Are we doing what we want or are we asking God what he wants? Well, first, flour has to be ground very fine. Are our lives ground fine into the will of God or are we still fighting him? Then he, you have to mold the bread. Every lady knows that's the hardest part of baking. It gives you sore fingers molding the bread. Are we allowing God to mold us into what he wants us to become? Till we can say, it's not what I want, but what you want. Then you put... Bread in the oven. He tests us. We don't always want to do what God tells us to do. It often takes a sacrifice or inconvenience or both. 
But as we obey him, there is always a blessing the other side. For a quick one, quick t testimony. I'm on my way back from New Zealand to England. I mind my own business, putting my case to go to the boarding gate. And suddenly the Lord says, I want you to pray for that Muslim in the wheelchair. Oh, no. I am a white Christian woman. A Muslim's three hates. And women are not supposed to speak to Muslim men. And, it, and you know, they just arrested the young man and lady kissing each other in Dubai airport the week before. Lord says, oh, you're going to pray for that man in the wheelchair. Oh, yes, Lord. And I go back and I'm walking up and down saying, oh, Lord, what do I, how do I do it? How do I do it? Oh, my gosh, how do I do it? Oh, there's an empty chair next to him and I plonk myself down. Hello. I see you in pain. He tells me he had a terrible car accident and was in agonizing pain for the last eight months. Would you like me to pray for you? He says, anything. I pray over him and I command the lameness leave in Jesus' name. I command his body be healed in Jesus' name. Suddenly he says, I feel strength come into my legs. The, the pain's going and the next thing he gets up and walks. He's healed. And he says, thank you so much. I said, I didn't do anything. It's Jesus of Nazareth that has just healed you. Would you like to receive him as Lord and Savior? I lead him through the sinner's prayer. He's able to go without pain on his way to America, a new believer. Am I pleased I obeyed him? There's always a blessing the other side. Always, every time, God will never let you down. So don't let the devil say stop. He'll give you 101 reasons why you shouldn't do it. Disobey the devil because he's a father of lies. And obey God who cannot lie. And as you walk through your sacrifice and inconvenience, you will rejoice when you see God doing it. And you can truthfully say, it's not what I want, but what God wants, because he wants the best for me. You then go up to the candlestick, representing the mind and the intellect. Are we just reading the scriptures we like and leaving the scriptures we don't like? But we must allow the Lord to renew our minds and agree with all of Scripture until we begin to think more like Jesus. Then comes the altar of incense, representing our emotions. Are our emotions up and down like the waves of the sea? The table of incense says, you have control over your emotions. And Jesus wants you to love him passionately as he loves you passionately. There's that white spiral of smoke going up. Worship always goes through the curtain first. So in the middle room, you reach the next levels of prayer, which the table of incense offers. Praise, adoration, and worship. And as you raise your hands in sacrifice of praise, so your prayers go into the Holy of Holies in preparation for the last levels of prayer. In the Old Testament, the priest was only allowed to go through the curtain once a year. But the moment Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was rent from top to bottom, allowing all of us to walk through. 
In the Holy of Holies, there's the Ark of the Covenant with two cherubims above, their wings outstretched to each other, representing the final levels of prayer, worship in the spirit, fellowship, and revelation. As you come into the spirit realm of worship, you meet with God. The hard work prayer is over. The devil cannot touch you in the spiritual realm. And the first level as the worship outside started in the soul area and now has brought you through in the spirit area. You begin to enjoy God's presence. You rest in God's presence and allow the peace that passes all understanding fill your heart and his love that enfolds you. You began to begin to relax in his presence until your ears can hear his still small voice and you enter fellowship. The waiting of God is shown here in Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait. And in his words do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they watch for the morning. I say more than they watch for the morning. We've got to be serious in prayer. Only as you are really serious in prayer will you come through into his glorious presence. And as you enter fellowship, the Lord will speak to you. You can have a conversation with the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's interested in every area of your life. He opens the scriptures to us and teaches us, this is where I write my book. In the flesh, I can't even write a letter. But in the Holy Spirit, I can write anything. He's taught me so much. I also come to him with concerns, big ones and small ones. A little concern of last week. My daughter and husband went to stay in our cottage at Turquoid. Suddenly, my daughter sees water coming through the light in the kitchen and dripping onto the floor. She phones up all the plumbers. I mean, I left some plumbers' phone numbers there. Nobody can do it. She emails me, help mum. Do you know there's a leak in the cottage? I pray about it. I said, Lord, there's a leak in our cottage and we've got three guests coming before I get back to England and they can't find a plumber. And the Lord said, as calm as calm, get your daughter to unscrew the little door that goes under the bath and shine a torch under the bath and there she will find the source of the leak. So I emailed her and I said, I've prayed about it. This is what you do. So my daughter goes and unscrews it, gets a torch, and there she sees right at the back wall the water running from the top of the bath from where the tiles are, from the shower, down the tiles, down the side of the bath because the uh, white sealant has come away, straight through the ceiling into the kitchen. Even she could fix that. This is God. He's interested even in those minute details. I said, thank you, Lord. I can carry on without any more worry with the work you've given me to do in Australia. You see, from fellowship... You come into the area of revelation when the Father speaks. That was what he spoke. That's what I wrote in the email. And the problem was solved. No plumber was needed. God knew that. 
I didn't know that. My daughter didn't know that. But we found it quick enough by obedience. When we come out of prayer, we will know we've met with a living God. Now, all we need to do is obey God exactly how he's told us. Whether it's one point, whether it's a list of points, whatever it is, just do what God has told you to do. Not less, not more, but exactly what he's told you to do. Then God himself confirms what he has told you to do with his signs and wonders following. You will never fail. It is impossible to fail if you've heard God and you've obeyed him. That is the only reason step out in faith is successful. I know I can't do it. I'm only a riding teacher, but God can. So my job is to hear him and obey him, and then I see the wonderful things he does. But God wasn't finished with me yet. He takes me through the tabernacle again. He says, now you know how to enter my presence, and it can be as quick as five minutes. It can take three hours. <laughs> that is each of us to learn. But he says, now I don't want you just to work this in prayer, but in your whole lifestyle. So that gave me a bit more work to do. Prayer in the closet. Prayer in action doing. It's for God. But then he says, I want to take you through a third time. He says, you've learned to pray. You've learned to obey me. But I want to show you another dimension. I don't want you to do one thing unless it is out of of my heart of love. I'm on, on to my next book, Dare to Live Out of God's Love. But I first got to live it and have testimony of it working before I'll be qualified to write it. And I'd like to finish off with one more scripture, glorious scripture. John 17 from verse 20 Neither do I pray for these alone, but for them also who will believe on me through their word. That's us, you and me. That they all may be one as thou, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's the mission of all of us. Are we living it? Can we live it more? From verse 22, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. We have the glory of the Holy Spirit living within our hearts. Verse 23, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That is our mission. Whatever ministry we do, living out of God's love. Verse 24, Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For thou loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world have not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you have sent me. And I have declared unto them my, thy name. And will declare it. That the love where which you have loved me may be in them. And I in them. How do we achieve that? The more we live in Christ the more he can live in and through our lives. Prayer is more real than the physical world we live in.
if we can learn to live in prayer, just as the Israelites lived on the manna in the desert, if we can feed on Christ as much as we feed our physical bodies, you can never be the same. Because you all know the reality of our living God in our midst. And we will want to live for him. And he will do more in and through our beings than you can ever think or imagine. God bless you. Why don't we just stand as we pray to conclude the service. I hope you've been encouraged inspired, challenged. And if this morning you have come with any kind of physical need, I'd love to invite you at the conclusion of the service to come forward. I'm sure Suzanne would not mind at all praying for physical healing. So if that's you, come and stand up to my left, to your right. If you have any other prayer needs, come and stand on my right, your left, and there's a prayer team who would love to uh, stand with you in prayer as well so let's pray as we conclude lord i thank you for the many stories that suzanne has shared but lord i pray that they'd be more than stories that they would stir our hearts afresh that lord we would indeed be a people marked by our pursuit of prayer that we would wear out the carpet because we're on our knees before you regularly and lord i pray that as you speak that we would be a people marked with radical obedience, to hear, to seek you, and to obey, to see your kingdom come in our lives and in our city. We pray that in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen.